0: Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 257, Ask Us Anything Immune. We will be covering cold, flu, and virus, as well as bites, scrapes, cuts, and beyond.
2: Yes all of the things today. We took a bunch of listener questions, so we'll be covering important topics such as fever management, the role of ketosis on immune response, updates to our COVID protocol, and so much more.
1: Yes, we will cover essential tools for your natural medicine cabinet, as well as updates on supplement protocols, and of course, food as medicine. So before we get into today's episode... Let's talk updates and then have a word from our opening sponsor.
2: Yes, we're almost there, you guys. Two more days of the pre-sale for our brand new program, Naturally Nourished Food as Medicine for the whole family. So at the time that you're listening, you have two days to get in on the pre-sale $99 price before the price goes up to $149. Let's dive maybe on the modules and what's included and some of the new updates on the four-week meal plan.
1: Yes, because as we've been talking about this for now over two months, our little creative brains keep going and the wheelhouses keep turning and we keep adding and adding and adding as we will. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of this program is that it has over 100 hours of curated content from links of resources from podcast episodes, YouTube videos, blog recipes, and more. And then... 15 unique videos and they range from about 12 to 25 a couple in the 30-minute realm So you're going to be getting a lot of novel content that was recorded just for this program all jam-packed into eight modules, so we open things up with Food as medicine 101 talking about why nutrients matter the whole concept that you know your biochemistry every process of anatomy and physiological function requires nutrients to do the work so if there's dysfunction in the body using targeted nutrients is the best approach and using a food as medicine foundation the best way to optimize health and prevent undesired symptoms or chronic illness so we educate you on what food as medicine is then we go into a module on how to make it happen where we talk about navigating the grocery store we talk about getting all members of your household on track so some of the tough love techniques as well as motivational interviewing and modeling, showing good examples, and even navigating dining out and social gatherings and the like. Then we break in module three to go into all three macros. So we have videos on carbs, proteins, and fats. And in each section, we talk about our favorite selections. We talk about appropriate amounts for each household member. You will get an individualized worksheet for each household member where you get to break down a macro plan. So The dad in the household might be doing higher protein, lower carb for body composition change. The mother in the household may be doing more of a kind of zone approach with like an equal balance of carbs, protein, and fat. Maybe she's in a weight maintenance mode and is recovering postpartum. Uh, some of the children, if they're in growth development or teens, you know, we're going to have different categories for you to fit every household's need and even support for your aging parents. So as we go past this module of macros of really the what you need to do, we have an entire section on cooking 101 or cooking with whole foods where we talk about making vegetables taste good we have an entire fun video on being a taste adventurer where where Stella my five-year-old goes through a scorecard of identifying appearance and smell and texture and we talk about with your children and teens and maybe even husbands partners you name it how you can work through adversions. And so identifying the why behind what that individual doesn't care for and figuring out unique ways to represent it so that it can be accepted so that they're still benefiting that nutrient of focus. Uh, We also have an entire video on homemade salad dressings where we talk about the combination of flavors that are essential for balanced flavor profiles, fat, acid, salt, and sweet and the best ingredients to make those profiles come to life we talk about switching up your salads as well so you're not just eating that classic tomato, cucumber, onion, and and different flavor profiles that work with different dressing combinations. And then modules five through seven are specific to age group. So we go from fertility through baby led weaning, then we go kids and uh, toddlers to kids, then we go teens through adults all the way through gentle aging, and we close it out with a deep dive immune module, which actually inspired a lot of the content in today's episode. So if you're liking what you're hearing today, We will have an entire protocol which will have products outside of the naturally nourished supplement line. Uh, You know, when to use hydrogen peroxide versus iodine, when to use raw, unfiltered honey, and why uh, on scrapes and cuts, considerations on fevers, and so much more. Yes. So
2: good sneak peek in today's episode coming soon.
1: Yes. And let's talk a little bit about the meal plans that we've layered into
2: this, which is super cool too. Yes. Things like this are are ever evolving. We're like, we just need to get them one more resource. Um, (laughs) So we'll be providing within this program four weeks of meal plans that can be tailored to each individual member of the family. But we decided to focus the meal plans and kind of hone in on some of the topics from the program. Um, so one of them is wholly immune focused. And so you'll probably be seeing something like elderberry gummies layered in there as a snack or our 40 cloves of garlic soup, maybe more focus on bone broth during that week. Bone uh, broth popsicles, yes, perhaps. Yes. Yes. Um, and then we have a week on hormone focus. So really getting your goal of, half a cup to one cup of cruciferous veggies at least three to five times per week. Um, and then we have one on kids. So, um, or, or I think we're calling it kids in the kitchen. Yeah, um, because
1: no food plan is right. just
2: specific to kids, but these are the fun ones for the kids to make. Exactly, sure. exactly. And kind of more... Kitty friendly ish type recipes, stuff they can get involved in, like almond flour muffins to be made in the kitchen. Um, we'll throw for sure our paleo chicken tenders into mm-hmm. that meal plan just because those are a really fun one and the whole family can eat on that. Um, and then what's the last? Stress. Course. Thank you.
1: An entire yep. week on food as medicine stress support. And so that just kind of helps to bring to life. All of the program in a way to implement. And for those of you that, as you are actually, we provide a really cool tool in the program on meal planning and meal planning matrix. So as you're working to develop that based on your taste preferences and your family's needs, this also gives you the opportunity to just have four different snapshots of weeks of just following mm-hmm. the the guidelines. It includes a grocery list per week specific to those recipes of focus. And then as always, we like to provide that food as medicine boost of information. Yes, I
2: think we always get the the question or the ask, just tell me what to eat. So we provided that too. And then for those who like a little bit more freedom and flexibility once you get that structure that meal planning tool and, and video will be a, a great resource
1: awesome so definitely go on over to alimillerrd.com under books and programs you can grab the program naturally nourished food as medicine for the whole family and if you purchase it before september 15th 2021 you can get that at 99 pre-sale otherwise it's still at a great value this is over 600 plus dollars of information at
2: just 149 dollars All right, before we dive into today's content, let's just have a word from our opening sponsor, Fond Bone Broth.
1: Yes, so Fond is truly wellness well-made. We love their bone broth tonics that are quality from simmer to seal. They pair with sustainable organic farms and have quality produce that they work in synergy to support food as medicine. So some of their flavor profiles that I've really been digging on is the Spring Clean, which is yellow onion, lemon, and radish, the youth tonic, which is shiitake sage and shallot. I love doing that with like uh, bok choy or rainbow chard or even using that as a base to put in some white fish. I might thaw out some wild halibut and put that in there and then um, chop some fresh scallions on top and a little bit of miso and really pull that Asian profile. The conductor is fabulous as we're going into fall. This is the butternut squash, chipotle, and rosemary. And all of these are infusions, and so they are still clear broths. They are nice and gelatinous, so you know that you're getting that collagen, gelatin, and L-glutamine, which is that, you know, facelift for the gut great support for immune health and then if you want to kick things up a notch the no would be a fabulous one going into kind of cold flu virus because you're getting that expectorant benefit of the bone broth itself which can thin mucus and break up phlegm, but the spicy peppers, also with that capsaicin, can further aid in fighting against infection and also in breaking up any mucus, phlegm, or debris. Um, So definitely go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash rd, and you will save 15% on your order. Also, that's a great way to let them know that you heard about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. And we hope that you enjoy using Fond Bone Broth as a delightful tonic to sip. You can incorporate this in a three-day bone broth fast to really level up your health or use them passively as a sous chef in a jar. Again, that's fondbonebroth.com,
2: Ally Miller RD. Yes, I just used the Nopalito as a base for a poblano chicken soup and it was amazing Oh, really good
1: like right how many minutes I mean at least probably 30 plus minutes of cut time for your prep when you have something that is so profile diverse in flavor and um, complexity and and just taking and elevating your dish with such ease love it just makes it so much easier awesome
2: all right Um, before we get into today's content we have some episodes just to call to your attention that have been immune Focus. So I will include all of these in the show notes for you to go back and listen to if you haven't already. Uh, But starting with episode 68, this was on supporting your immune system naturally. And we covered quite a bit of content in there about children and ear infections and how to avoid how and why to avoid the antibiotics that would be a really good one especially for those with children Um, 114 was about a year later um, immune support for you and your family and then we've had several episodes since then with the pandemic and DVOC. Um, so 219 was DVOC updates and long haulers 222 was the immune depression connection, 253 vitamin D and d variants, 255 vitamin C immune and beyond.
1: Yes. So those two recent ones were really deep dives on those targeted nutrients, vitamin D and vitamin C. Both of them very compelling. Becky and I have been laughing. It's like how can we, how, how do you guys take it? Because when we're researching and digging into the content so deep and then sharing the information and super empowered by it, we're both like, oh, well, there were some days when I was only getting one bio C plus, but now I'm definitely getting two or three. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like always layering in all oh, yeah. of the things with you guys. And in today's episode, we're going to also talk about, you know, what we're doing in our households specifically as we are chatting, you know, mid September
2: going into this next season of cold flu and virus. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, So super brief because we've got a lot to cover today. Let's just hit immune 101 and a little bit of a review on how the immune system functions.
1: Yes, so I think of the immune system as the surveillance system of the body, if you will. And the immune system is what will protect people from infection and there are layered defense mechanisms that increase specificity based on the infection itself. So the first layer is our physical barrier, and this is what prevents pathogens from entering the body. So this is what we think of like sneezing, or uh, we think of the fact we talked about in that one podcast episode, the importance of breath the difference of exposure when you're nose breathing versus breathing with an open mouth and how that's especially important for those people wearing facial coverings because the facial covering or mask is going to interfere with that physical barrier system of breathing through the nose and that there is such a variance of the nares, you know, the nasal hairs and the passage and the regulation of moisture that occurs when we inhale through our nose versus open mouth breathing. Maybe if we feel like we're short of air wearing a mask, we could actually expose ourselves more and and be lacking a lot of that filtration, if you will. So physical barriers include like our filtration within our nasal passages. Um, Again, sneezing would be one element of that. Our skin itself is going to provide physical barrier. Um, we think of the second layer, um, or if the pathogen breaks this physical barrier, um, the innate immune system then provides us that second layer, an immediate but non-specific response. And so when we're looking at the innate immune system, this is like our phagocy- phagocytes, which are going to be macrophages, neutrophils, and dendric cells. Uh, this is where we'd have our mast cells, our eosinophils, basophils, and natural killer cells. And then the third layer of protection is the adaptive immune system. And the adaptive immune response is going to be activated by the innate immune system battle. So if the innate immune system battle gets upregulated dynamically enough, Then that third layer of the adaptive immune system, which it has that specificity. So the adaptive system is where we employ the B cells and they're involved in the humoral immune response. Uh, We know that the T cells contribute to the cellular immune response. And the connection that's really important of this third layer of protection, this adaptive immune response, is this is what makes your memory system of your immunity. So when we're talking about repeat exposure to virus, for instance, when we're talking about herd immunity and all of these complex mechanisms, we're requiring that third component of the adaptive immune system to be employed and to produce compounds that help the immune system to remember and fight again if exposed in the future. Okay,
2: so three layers, pretty complex. And then how does the gut actually fit in cuz I know we're always saying, you know, the gut is the house of our immune system. How does that fit within these three layers? Yeah, so
1: the the gut plays a role in both that second and third. Well, and actually you could say the first, sure. you know, and as a barrier as mm-hmm. well. We know if we have leaky gut, or issues with gut damage, ulcerations, or even just intestinal enteropathy, which is the medical term for leaky gut, that we're getting larger particles in the bloodstream, which can exacerbate an inflammatory immune-mediated response, which can even distract the immune system from its innate and acquired action. And so we've actually seen research studies out there on individuals that have inflammatory food response to have more immunoinsufficiency or lack of an ability to employ that battle when need be to something like a virus, which I think is important. So there's that initial barrier component. Um, we also know that there is the galt in our gut, and this is your gastrointestinal associated lymphatic tissue or gut associated lymphatic tissue. And the part of the galt that is most important is the Peyer's patches. And um, this is where we will see impact from the appendix, the large intestine and the esophagus, tonsils and adenoids. And so often we hear adenoids don't matter and they can get removed early. Again, if you can support the canals and the ducts from getting infected, likely they won't get enlarged or removed. And so that drainage and phlegm and mucus really important to get moving even early onset, as early as your infants. And, and part of the sucking from breastfeeding mm-hmm. much more successful than bottle feeding we see, even for an instance there. Um, and then appendix, right? We often say also in the, in the medical world, like, oh, well, that doesn't, that's not necessary. Right. But those all play a role within this um, lymphoid aggregate system. And this is where uh, macrophages, our dendritic cells, our B lymphocytes and our T lymphocytes are residing. And so both the innate and the adaptive responses are going to collaborate in maintaining this immune balance of the GALT. So we have both those initial white blood cell responders and those learned B and T cells residing in that GALT and
2: uh communicating with all of those mechanisms of the galt. Got it. So really multifactorial. And I think that helps to kind of visualize how our immune function works on just a very basic level. Um, Let's get in now, just starting off with some listener questions. Um, Let's start with this one. Top supplements for kids under five. We had a ton of these questions due to kids going back to school during pandemic, so beyond kind of what we would normally, I guess let's do the basic foundational, and then let's do the up level for immune support. Mm
1: Yeah, I think I got this question in five different formats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people would say, beyond the multivale kids and kids biotic, what else do I layer in? And a lot of questions about what age can you start, sell Antiox, and all of these uh, types of layered components. So, you know, when we're looking at foundational immune support and foundational wellness support for children, I would always say that you want a quality multivitamin so that multi avail kids. And you want to dose that, you know, based on their weight. Uh, You could also just generally think of it in in age. Um, As we approach over age four, especially at age five, we want to go from two chews to three chews a day. And then we start to consider as early as a child can swallow a tablet and is over 60 pounds, so either of those components, one uh, multi-defense tablet as an alternate choice. And so individuals can do multivail kids up to four chews, which would kind of transition again around that like age four or five, they go to three. So we could start as early as, let me be sequential. So we could start with the multivail kids um, as early as like 18 months or so. And you would just want to kind of maybe break up that tablet. But by 18 months, the toddler should be able to chew and break it down Mm -hmm. quite well. Um, Stella was doing one a day all the way until she was two and a half and at two and a half and also that's when we transitioned her into a more full-time program with her yoga peace school that's when we decided that we were going to be giving her two a day Um, And then she's been doing three a day from age four on. And so that's kind of where she's at. So somewhere between two to four tablets generally recommended. And then again, if the child is 60 pounds and able to swallow a a tablet, they could do the multi-defense. Once a child is over 80 pounds, then they go to pretty much adult dosing. And Mm. you know this could be then the two tablets of the multi-defense. And so that's gonna be your foundational multivitamin. We also recommend a quality probiotic because this is going to play a role not only with the GALT and the immune response, but this is also going to play a big role on brain health and cognitive function. So testing scores, learning capabilities, as well as mood management and development. So we're looking at the role of serotonin and GABA being supported by the lacto and bifido strains. And we know especially during times of immune response as we talked about in the immune depression connection, that we can have a little bit more of that inflammatory impact in the brain and that that can dampen or lower moods. So probiotics are really important for a multitude of factors. Um, I generally recommend the kids biotic at two to three uh, chews. Two choose provides 5 billion CFUs of the lacto and bifido strains that have been well researched specifically for cold and virus. And, um, we will share a link to that study. Uh, this will be after we've already done our big blast promo. So you can check out the kids biotic page to see a link to that research study under the references, but they saw reductions in like rhinitis, which is chronic runny nose, reductions in sick days, reductions in fever, reductions in um, severity of illness and symptoms. And so I think that that's a really important player. Generally your probiotic dosage can go up two to three times from your base. Um, So Stella right now takes two kids' biotic chews because she eats yogurt about three to four times a week and drinks kombucha. So that's our household balance. She gets a probiotic-rich food daily and two kids' biotic. But if she is showing symptoms of illness, we will actually up-level and open a capsule of the Rebuild Spectrum Probiotic, which is that multi-seven-strain formula um, that has that streptococcus in there uh, the lactoplanetarium in there so a lot more wide scope immune support and so that has 30 billion CFU so we'll do one of those open into a bite of a non-dairy delivery so it could be coconut yogurt it could be in a bite of almond butter and I'll just roll it into like mm-hmm. a ball and she'll just chew it like a like a truffle kind of thing you know nut butter ball um and even often if i'm doing a nut butter ball i'm going to also deliver that with a little raw and filtered honey and then a little bit of our immunoglobulins from the grass-fed naturally nourished way so that's kind of my go-to if she's under the weather And then I may even up her kid's biotic as well for a little bit more lactobifido. Often I will give her four chews a day. So four chews a day plus a Rebuild Spectrum capsule when under the weather. Otherwise, her standard is two. Um, And if your child has GI stress, if they're dealing with chronic constipation or loose stool, or they have uh, had really severe heartburn or reflux or digestive disorders, Um, that you've sought support from your pediatrician, then you may decide right away instead of the kid's biotic to give them the 15 billion CFU as their baseline, which would be the restore baseline. And
2: you're just opening
1: that daily and mixing that in with a smoothie or a bite of
2: food. Okay. Um, So yeah, that rebuild spectrum would be a good like medicine cabinet essential staple. I'm sure we'll talk more about that too for kind of all members of the household, but including kids. Yes. Um, And then what about, vitamin D. I know we recommend that, especially now that we have the liquid form as an ongoing supplement, but how would you determine capsule versus liquid and and what's your pulse dose if ill?
1: Sure. So, you know, most adults require 5,000 IUs daily, which is going to be the capsule of our vitamin D balance blend. And um, the unique element of our vitamin D balance blend, whether it's the liquid or the capsule, is going to provide that K1, K2. And so when you're getting that vitamin K, as we talked about in our deep dive vitamin D episode, that's going to aid in the absorption, which is really important as far as getting your levels up.
2: And that vitamin K also is going to help to reduce and prevent calcification or that vitamin D going somewhere in the body. It's not necessarily supposed to Go right, um, and that's something that's unique about our liquid vitamin D formula as well. Um, I mentioned recently, I think, on that same podcast episode, like looking for another infant vitamin D, there really aren't any on the market that include the D3 and K2, and most pediatricians are like, oh, just start them from birth on 400 IU of vitamin D, not taking into consideration K. And even when I asked the pediatrician, they were like, "Mm, there's no literature. I don't know. Um, You can just buy any off the shelf. So I think that's a really important feature of both the capsule and the liquid.
1: Yes. And the fact that we use MCT as a carrier versus an inflammatory oil, like soybean oil or something like that daily. So for your infants through your children, you know, you'd want to dose based on weight and we give you that guidance on the bottle of our vitamin D balance blend. It's also on the page for the product on our website, so you can check that out. And I think that's another misnomer is often that four hundred IUs from infant recommendation doesn't scale appropriately in pediatric recommendations of mm-hmm. IUs per kilograms, for instance. And right. so, you know, very early on, you know, as the child goes from nine pounds to 40 pounds, Mm -hmm. we're going to want that 40 pound child at closer to, you know, 2,000 IUs, a range of probably 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day. Um, and so whatever your base dosage is for wellness with that vitamin D, which we know is essential for mechanisms beyond immune health. Again, the vitamin D is very helpful for hormone development. It's very essential for thyroid and metabolic health and for mood stability. Uh, you'd want to go up three to four times the base dose. So that's kind of the rule of thumb. You'd go up three to four times the base dose of your probiotic and your vitamin D
2: at times of immune need. Okay. Um, and really no upper limit on the D during, you know, that time. So if it was an adult, we could be doing 10 plus of those vitamin D capsules. You just go through a bottle. 50,000 IUs yep. W- yep.
1: would be what that would be. And, and that could be appropriate for, you know, a tight three day run, mm-hmm. especially in high
2: symptom management time. And sure. then could come right back down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the grass fed way I know this is one you use as a, a staple with Stella at least like three times a week doing smoothies. Um, but yes. that would be an appropriate add on, again, like as a food as medicine goal. Um, and then if displaying any symptoms of illness, this would be like the one dairy product that we probably wouldn't pull out. Um, if there was you know mucus or or phlegm
1: Yes, and that's why we include that in our Kids Essential Wellness Bundle. Uh, so that has the Naturally Nourished Grass-Fed way, the Kids Biotic, and the Multi-Avail Kids as a really great approach. And then we kind of figure that vitamin D balance blend would be purchased separately based on much more of a sliding scale of need. So those are all your foundational tools. And then the next thing I would layer on for children for sure would be BioC Plus. If we're talking about capsule swallowing, older kids or adults and teens, I would layer in the cellular antiox as the next priority when we're talking about pandemic, for sure, in the world of COVID. But BioC Plus could be a very close cousin in the adult world. I'm just saying if I had to pick one or the other mm-hmm. based on budget. The BioC Plus for kids, the main mechanism of why is A, it's, it's really fantastic as an antiviral, reducing replication, severity of infection. Uh, Really important if the child's exposed to illness or demonstrating symptoms, incorporating upwards of three capsules that you can open up and mix into, again, the nut butter balls, a bite of coconut yogurt into a smoothie, and they taste really good. So it's easy to get in. There's not going to be any blah or like adversions. The cellular antiox, if your child is demonstrating really severe upper respiratory stress or you know, really deep bronchial coughs like bronchitis, pneumonia sounding, um, and wheezing, mucus, or toxicity concerns, this is where we would definitely layer in the cellular antiox. And this has that N-acetylcysteine glutathione B6 blend. So for adults, cell antiox should be in that kind of main foundational immune support at two daily and then going up to like three to five four to five um, at a time of immune stress and for a child maybe would not be in the foundation at all but one to two on the times of if they're dealing with those uh, stress responses in their
2: bronchioles and their respiratory tract okay got it that makes sense and either of those capsules like you said could be opened up into a bite of food Bio-C being much better tasting than yes. the cell antiox, so just to give that caveat, but you've gotten Stella to do the um, cell antiox in um, chocolate ice cream, right? I have,
1: <laughs> which, you know, good, better, best. Right, right. <laughs> not sure that that's always the best, but again, if I'm doing one tablespoon and it's a way exactly. to get it down, yep. that would work yep. okay. I also would call out that I have patients that have had reactive airway syndrome and have been on you know multiple forms of steroid inhalers and such and by using these small capsules from amazon that you can you know empty capsules i think they're the number five but i'll link it in the show notes um, you can actually take Cell Antiox and make five six tiny pills out of one capsule and um, this has been a way that we've had really successful outcomes of of truly reducing visits to twenty four hour clinics, mm-hmm. as well as a hospital intervention for children that really had respiratory stress. And so for those kids, I have them taking it, of course, daily, sure. foundationally, yeah. and you know, as early as age five with these small capsules, we can teach them to swallow it along with gelatin. And, and that's something to consider is you know for targeted supplement support uh you know working with your children as soon as first grade or so about teaching them to swallow and the best way is to start with bites of gelatin so use grass-fed gelatin um, and put it on a spoon have them swallow it and then you can start to insert a small pill and have them swallow that same size piece of gelatin and it goes down like nothing okay that could even
2: work for some adults with the versions i think yes absolutely (laughs) All right, Um, let's hit this one. Top three things to recommend to people who aren't ready to clean up their diet and who are picky. Eater. so not necessarily immune specific, but let's do it anyway. Yeah.
1: So, well, and I came from the immune, so I'm thinking they're thinking of I'm going to answer it in the way of immune priorities. Okay. Of ways yeah, to yeah. Clean up I like diet. that. I so, like the that. first thing I would say is you have to remove the refined carbohydrates and sugars. So maybe at this point of you know the viral season, you don't have to worry about tackling gluten free per se. Although I would say that that's going to support your mm. galt because zonulin sure. and whatnot, but sugar is the one that we see in research to have the most adverse effect on your immune response and we know that when sugar interferes with white blood cell response it can have lasting effects of upwards of five hours so the first thing i would say is the no naked carb rule and remove refined sugars so no sweets no candy And we've talked about this in past episodes about this cold flu season kind of coming in with the higher influx of sugar in the diet. Like we think from Halloween through the holidays, we're like inundated with treats and sweets and nostalgia bites and all these things. And I think that that has a way of uh, discarding or basically taking the immune system off of its um, on guard position. And so that can make us much more vulnerable. So I would say remove refined sugars as best you can first. And within that, I would work on that no naked carbs. So focus on having a protein at each meal would be the second goal. So as long as an individual is eating protein three times a day or at least two times a day, that's going to at least give their immune system the um, amino acids that they need to support that antibody-mediated response. And so the immune system really requires ample protein to be in its best shape. And then the third thing that i would recommend for the picky eaters is to skip a meal and employ intermittent fasting so i think that's one of the easiest Mm -hmm. lifestyle behavior changes is okay well if especially if your breakfast meal which i find that tends to be sometimes most of the carb laden garbage like the bagel the croissant the jam filled kolache the breakfast cereal you name it or the latte frappa frappa whatever with the 75 80 90 grams of carbs So I think if you can employ intermittent fasting and bypass that breakfast mark and then make sure that your breakfast and lunch has a protein and you're not eating refined sugar, that you could still get by
2: and and at least have an impact on immune health that would be favorable. Okay. Um, And that would be more geared towards adults, the, the fasting strategy, correct. Right. I
1: wouldn't yep. I wouldn't encourage children to fast except and since we're on it, let's talk about yeah, it a little bit. Sure. Um, it, unless they are ill. So mm-hmm. if a child is actually infected with virus or, you know, having a fever and feeling under the weather, we don't force feed children sure. because we do see benefits of autophagy and immunological processes that do upregulate in a fasted state. So but we would also never withhold nourishment from a child who's hungry and asking for food. Um, we would want to be mindful of what offerings we provide them during acute illness. Um, and so for the adults, yes, a preventative approach would be that intermittent fasting of like a 16 8. And then for children, I would just say the no naked carbs, get in the protein. And then um, maybe, I guess, navigating getting in. What would be the other third thing for kids, would you say, Becky? Just removing those refined sugars still yeah. you know no juices yeah, no. yeah so you'd have to nice. just individualize based on the kids of what
2: snack of theirs is the most risk factor and sure. find a healthier alternate sure and trying to you know appease their palate and replace something that's not going to be like ripping off a band-aid per se so finding like a healthier version to replace with or maybe you can get them on board with doing you know grass-fed gelatin or something that they'll actually enjoy or the bone broth popsicles that'll be up on the blog by the time this airs um, yeah. and kind of stair-stepping them in with something that's a fun delivery for them. And then
1: those nut butter balls that we've referenced mm-hmm. a couple times now are in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook and also a really great ritual and delivery to just boost up kids' targeted nutrient support across the board mm-hmm. um, as a vehicle. So I think that that's something great to get into the ritual
2: of doing in the household yes. as well. Yep, yep, And you can store those in the freezer, right, for totally. time of need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, Let's talk about this question for infants. Um, Ways to boost the immune system of my exclusively breastfed infant.
1: Okay. So first off, even though your infant is exclusively breastfed, we still want them using the vitamin D balance blend liquid. So make sure that you, that should be like, that's my gift to every baby shower baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bottle That's of true. vitamin yeah, D yeah. balance yep. blend with like a cute, you know, outfit and a book or something like that, because it really is an essential tool for hardwiring that child's immune system for best response. Now there is vitamin D that also carries from breastfeeding to Mm -hmm. baby. But do you want to share Noah's status? I know you shared it in the D episode, but I think very relevant
2: because you were, you were supplementing with at least 5,000 IUs a day. Yep. I was doing 5,000 IU a day and supplementing him with the liquid from birth. Now, after I got his numbers back, I think I've been more on it and more diligent, um, with his supplementation and maybe even going a little bit over, um, what was recommended initially, but, um, my vitamin D came in at, I think 53, I want to say. Um, and around the same time I did the, uh, the finger prick or we did it as a heel Heel poke for him. him. And, um, his came in, in the forties, I think it was 43, like a solid 10 points lower than mine, which was not something I was anticipating being that I was supplementing, and I was supplementing him with, I think he was still on like the quarter ML every three days at the time that I did that. Um, so I've now stepped him up where I'm doing either half a milliliter daily or yeah. I'm doing a full milliliter. Honestly, he really likes taking the it's vitamin D. Tasty. Like he'll he'll open his mouth a second time for it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, it's not going to hurt. I know that he was, you know, borderline Low, um, which I'd I'd like to see him 60 plus if I were to retest. I'm not sure I'm going to do that to him. Um, And that also wasn't summertime yet. He's now like pretty tawny, at least his Mm -hmm. legs. He's got some good sun. Um, but I think, you know, ensuring for mama that you're taking a vitamin D supplement is a great way to boost their immune system, but then yes. also layering it on for babe.
1: And then same with the world of probiotic. Um, so we will link the infant liquid probiotic option that's on our Amazon store. And then as soon as baby, you could consider, uh, also in a pumped Bottle mm-hmm. opening up a capsule of the Restore Baseline probiotic, which would be totally appropriate. And if baby is showing immune distress, especially in the world of skin health, like eczema or ulcerations, um, or really severe cradle cap, or digestive distress. Then you could also incorporate more immunoglobulins. So for infants and babies, we would not do that grass-fed way until at least age one. Um, and so it's just too concentrated in protein. Um, so for babies and infants, we would use the SBI Protect. And that is going to be just pure immunoglobulins without the protein of the grass-fed whey. So that won't be a stressor to the kidneys and such. And um, we'll still get those immunoglobulins to really nourish that galt. Um, and again, that could be a capsule of that. And the Restore Baseline Probiotic could be in a glass bottle. You pump and you know mix that in there. And that could be a really beautiful delivery as well.
2: Yeah, the SBI Protect I used a lot with Noah when he was having some cradle cap and eczema and his skin cleared up like within a month of use of that, more strategic use of probiotic. Um, I did bring in some S. on its own, um, but there's no reason you couldn't just do the Restore Baseline probiotic. The, re- the Rebuild yeah, Spectrum? Yeah, excuse me. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Rebuild Spectrum just opened into totally. a bottle as well. And there's research um, on that with, with infants with the S.
1: Yes, and then last thought on uh, infants and babies. So you know you can have essential oils going in the household, uh, but you don't want them close Mm -hmm. at that at that small of a birth weight or that young. Once your child turns two, then you could absolutely do diffusers of essential oils in their bedroom, and it kind of depends on the size of your nursery and space. Sure, I I think and and concentrates. You could definitely do a more diluted option, but you can get more aggressive with essential oils and diffusers with toddlers and on. And then um, also, I was thinking in the world of uh, babies, you could bring in uh, the garlic mullen oil drops. Um, those eardrops really do support antimicrobial, antibacterial, antifungal in that ear, nose, and throat section. So if baby is seeming mucousy and has a lot of congestion in that space, that would be a really great way to not be dynamically
2: too, too concentrated mm-hmm. of a dosage, but doing some eardrops would be great approach there just to kind of move blush and move and Mm -hmm. then um I used saline spray with Noah quite a bit um just the Frida baby but any just plain old saline Mm -hmm. I just like the small size of that to um put up his nose but that with the Frida Frida. baby Mm -hmm. booger sucker move um, the gunk. yeah Yeah. but anytime he was like a little sneezy I would just do a couple sprays of that nasal spray as well he's now so wiggly that it's hard but and I'm then little, little.
1: <laughs> breast milk, breast milk, breast yeah, milk. And especially yeah, yeah. if you're under the weather, note that your breast milk actually is going to have the learned adaptive immune response in your breast milk. So that becomes even more liquid gold, you know. So interferon and all these immunoglobulins that your body's producing, um, the antigen um, antibody response. So you're actually giving antibodies to babe. Mm-hmm. And remember that breastfeeding direct nipple to mouth to baby has with those valcules um, the ability to uh, respond to baby's salivary immune processes and produce what baby needs to fight so you know again if you're a breastfeeding mama that is pumping you're back at work full-time whatnot that would be importance of still breastfeeding direct you know two to three of those feeds Mm -hmm. so that your body is manufacturing according to baby's needs
2: Um, another consideration there yes awesome Um, and then for older babies, even like having a stash of breast milk in the freezer. And, and we've talked about Noah won't take a bottle anymore. Um, so we've talked about how I may use that in a smoothie someday, like if he is a little bit under the weather once we wean.
1: And even last thing on breast milk, gold,
2: uh, topical
1: application. So yeah as, uh, I think I held my frozen breast milk through age two, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I I haven't looked at research study on longevity of maintenance of whatnot, but I I knew that it would be something in the freezer. Um, but you know, even like if there was pink eye going on around the school or, you know, any form of like dermatological oddity, that's something that you can always kind of thought you can do breast milk in the bath Mm -hmm. and
2: things like that as well. And, and all Considerations there. Yeah, we did breast milk baths when he was having some skin stuff, and when he had um, COVID with us, um, he got pink eye, which is a very common viral symptom, especially in small children. And I did breast milk direct in the eyes then as well. Yes. All right. Um, let's talk fevers because I think this is a big area of concern and worry with parents and we're often over medicating. Um, So what's the deal with fevers? Is 102 plus in need of an intervention or do I need to be trying to cut the fever? What's better, Tylenol or ibuprofen or should I be using any of it?
1: All right. So we incorporate a lot of information on fever strategy in the Naturally Nourished Food is Medicine for the Whole Family program. Um, And so I was ready to answer this question. I think it's really important. There's actually a term called fever fever phobia. I got that P in there too early. Fever phobia um, because of the interventions that don't pair with uh, fever management research and the anxiety that surrounds fevers. It's important to acknowledge that a fever is a friend to the immune system. Fevers are going to turn on the body's immune system as an innate immune inflammatory process. They help the body fight infection. And normal fevers run between 100 to 104 degrees. I didn't say scary high. Normal fevers run upwards of 104 degrees and are good to help heal a sick child. So there has actually been research that demonstrates adverse effect of fever on bacteria growth and replication of viruses so the fever or the increase of body temperature that temperature response can actually enhance immunological processes. And so we look at activity of interleukin-1, or our T helper cells, or our cytolytic T cells, our B cells, and immunoglobulin synthesis, and see that all of these are increased or enhanced with an increase in body temperature. We also know that the process, that innate process of phagocytosis, or the killing of bacteria or virus, through our leukocytes, our white blood cell response, is greater at body temperatures in the 103 plus. So if your child's peaking above 103 into that 104 world, that means that their immune system saw something it didn't like, and it's actually directly battling that foreign invader, be it bacteria or virus. And we see that also the um, interferon, which is a potent antiviral agent, is going to be enhanced with its antiviral activity above the temperatures in the 103, 104 world. So I think that we need to first understand as parents that their body... knows what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Take a deep breath, take a GABA calm to reduce your fever phobia and focus on your child's behavior and their pain management as your priorities versus
2: temperature regulation as a a quantitative value. Okay. Yep. That makes sense for sure. Um, and there've even been studies um, showing that frequent administration of some of those antipyretics or like the Tylenol ibuprofen world can worsen outcomes, right? Absolutely. So we've seen this in the case
1: of salmonella. We've seen this in the case of pathogen from virus. Um, Severity of infection from pneumonia and septicemia was found that the lower the body temperature, the higher mortality. Um, And so this is both in severity of infection and actually life Or death. So I think it's really important to, again, understand that fever is a friend and a necessary component of helping the immune system do its job. Now we can see, I think one of the main myths out there with fever is that they're worried about, parents are worried, or or pediatricians Mm -hmm. unfortunately misinformed and haven't dug into the updated managed practice guidelines that they're concerned about brain damage or seizures only temperatures above 108 degrees fahrenheit can cause brain damage and this is really not possible for the natural immune response to achieve that high of a level this would happen if a child for example god forbid was locked in a car Mm -hmm. in hot weather so this is an external environment stress response of the body and, and a damage process and that's yes we can see brain damage at 108 or higher that's not going to occur when your child is battling bacteria or virus. And then of the seizure concern, mm-hmm. only 4% of children uh, will will experience seizure with fever. And this is prolonged fever of 104, generally speaking. And um, I had pulled research from Seattle Children's Hospital and their practice guide. And um, it notes time and time again, that research demonstrates that These seizures will stop within five minutes. They may be scary, of course, to watch as a parent. I can't imagine. um, But they do not cause any permanent or neurological harm. There's no increased risk for speech delays, learning problems, or seizures without fever drive in children that have experienced that, again, that only 4% that have experienced seizure triggered by a fever. Okay. And
2: I'll link the the studies that we're pulling all of this from just so you can put those in your back pocket and kind of set your mind at ease or share with a parent or a partner in your life.
1: Yeah. So we even have, for instance, well, Stella's school that she's going to has a no medication administration Kind of rule of thumb, Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, and and that's beyond you know you being able to fill out as a parent, you know, if your child is on a medication, what they would need, but that might be a good question to ask because there are some school nurses and some school protocols where they will prophylactically provide antipyretics if they temp your child at one hundred point four or above. Sure, and again, that can interfere with your child's immune response. Also, the concern is that the acetaminophen or Tylenol can drive liver damage and deplete glutathione levels. Glutathione is that master antioxidant, so that can actually exacerbate viral infection and and the inflammatory response to virus. And then ibuprofen has been shown to drive stomach stomach ulcerations. You know, it's that NSAID drug world, so we're worried about with the Motrin and those products for kids, gut lining damage. You also want to consider that in two Pro- proactive use with teething pain, you know. Um, so be mindful of the use of those. And both acetaminophen and ibuprofen have been shown to drive kidney damage with use. And um, we have to be mindful that there's a lot of misadministration of dosage per kilogram of child body weight. And this is, can create damaging effects with just a couple dosages done incorrectly.
2: And even then, if we have the correct dose, um, I know every time we leave the pediatrician, even though we're not. Doing any shots right now, I get like his updated weight with what his dosage of um, Tylenol should be. Should he spike a fever after a vaccine? And I think we should talk about that for a moment. Sure. um, Because I don't think that's a good recommendation.
1: Right. So the response of a fever from a vaccine is the immune system surveying and identifying the adjuvants or the stimulants of the immune system, often metals. Um, and battling or upregulating an an inflammatory response or the viral um, response. And so, you know, some of our vaccines out there have uh, live but lowered active or dead forms of virus themselves. And so the immune system could be responding to that or the adjuvants. Either way, again, that can interfere with the learned immune response to that vaccine so they make it less efficacy. But furthermore, when we look at research with the MMR and autism, a big component in that research is looking at the use of the acetaminophen or Tylenol and potentially that being a bigger driving force for autism, the interference of glutathione and driving glutathione depletion. Yeah,
2: super wild. So. You know, instead of medicating the fever or even focusing on trying to get the fever down. So we're talking, you know, don't do the like cool washcloth on the head or sponge bathing. Keep the child comfortable. Keep them hydrated. Um, But we go much further into this in the immune module, as we mentioned, in Naturally Nourished Food as Medicine for the Whole Family. So we cover fevers in depth, um, a ton of other comfort measures and food as medicine and just what you should be monitoring instead of just watching the temperature it's fine to take their temperature you know every few hours if you feel like whoa they're getting really really hot and then maybe bring in some of those you know additional comfort measures, um, but what you should monitor instead and, and how to really just support their optimal hydration status, support comfort, and kind of get them through. Yeah, down to the level of how many wet diapers to look for sure. or
1: urinary yeah. output and so much more. And I would just say the last thing on this world of kind of cold flu virus for kids, yes, also again, watching that sugar consumption. But when we think of oral rehydration or electrolytes, Um, we like to use the same products that we use in our keto program of like the light show or the highlight, Mm -hmm. these non flavored electrolytes. um, And the of course, concern of the Pedialyte, which is also often recommended, right. is those non, those um, refined carbohydrate sweeteners, so the high glycemic impact of these, and then also the food colorants, the preservatives. Um, we have actually saw a really cool study through JAMA where it looked at children suffering from stomach bugs, and that tends to be the most exacerbated dehydration because diarrhea or vomiting will mm-hmm. really throw off electrolytes. Yep and they studied a mixture of one-quarter concentrate apple juice with three-quarters water, so quite a diluted apple juice. Um, so that could be something you might want to have on pantry, you know, one of those, like, organic pure apple juices that you could do an ounce of that apple juice with seven ounces of water. You can even dilute it a little bit more, but that quarter concentration actually, um, was compared in research with a, uh, clinical trial on the electrolyte enhanced Pedialyte and they saw, um, better, favorable outcomes with that diluted apple juice
2: okay so, and i wonder about like pinching a little salt in there too to absolutely add an additional bonus boost um or getting them to sip on bone broth or doing those bone broth popsicles that we talked about i think could be great absolutely okay Next up, um we kind of hit on this one, but let's let's hit like some of the nerdy science stuff. Okay. Um should we fast when sick or feed?
1: Okay. So again, fasting is generally the answer and that was my like easy cheat for those that don't want to eat healthy, <laughs> I guess. Um so autophagy is the process we're looking at here and um this cellular surveillance aids in boosting our immune response and and fasting is going to activate that autophagy process. So we do see that restricted feeding is able to mitigate illness in response to bacterial or viral factors, and that fasting itself stimulates toll-like receptor 4 or TLR4, um, which plays a role in that GALT communication. There's a pretty cool study that we'll link in the show notes called Intermittent Fasting, a Possible Priming Tool for Host Defense Against SARS-CoV-2 infection, crosstalk among calorie restriction, autophagy, and immune response, which goes through the many mechanisms. So it's not a clinical trial. It's a research review that goes through the mechanisms of fasting and how this could be a very pre- promise, promising preventative strategy against COVID-19 due to the autophagy and other complex mechanisms of the immune response when we are resting our body from the stimulus of food. Okay.
2: Um, so the answer is yes, we we should fast. And, and as you mentioned with children, just to the extent where, you know, if they're asking for food, you would provide something and try to find a nourishing option that is supportive of their immune health. Yes. Um, and, and within that, you know, I think it is important to highlight that protein is really essential for immune support so as soon as you are feeling better we'd want to really ramp up our our protein intake
1: absolutely and especially in those that are potentially protein malnourished which could be children not our naturally nourished family of children right because we're having them eat protein at all meals and all the things but if it's a child that's eating a standard american child diet you know and they're eating like 150 grams of carbs and maybe honestly some children are only eating like 12 grams of protein right, a day becky right. so if we're talking about that kind of a, a child's diet then you know if that child is saying they aren't hungry i would still be kind of providing protein at all of the mm-hmm. ways, shape and form and so this is where you know you might do like a bone broth popsicle that has um, you know coconut milk and grass fed whey in it, mm-hmm. um, so that they can get those immunoglobulins and that protein. And same on the other end of the aging spectrum, aging parents. Yeah, you know, so elderly status we tend to see some of that muscle wasting and that protein malnourishment as well. Sarcopenia, you know, we start to see sarcopenia directly impacted with compromised immune status, and sarcopenia is muscle wasting. Okay, and so again, an emphasis for prevention, but in that population i also think this is where you know in the long-term care facilities or hospitals they're going to be doing like the insured boost with Uh protein or Uh xyz we don't want to be providing them chemical shit storms with refined processed sugars and fructose but we do probably in that population where they're more compromised providing them protein three times throughout the day sure Um, and so for my Stella, because I feel she's in a very solid immune and health response, um, you know, she, when she, I believe had COVID, um, in early, late January of 2020, um, when she had that run of a week of illness and had three days where she revved up into the 104s, whatever virus she did have, she had a couple days where she only had three total slices of bacon and a couple nut butter balls with everything that could fit into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'd have a day where she'd have a little bit more of an appetite and maybe eat scrambled eggs and a little avocado bites with the bacon. But bacon can be a really fabulous support for our electrolytes. There's potassium and sodium in there. Um, and you know, it's, it's not a lot of density and yet it does provide some of that pure protein. So also thinking for your kiddos, like grass fed meat sticks could be really good Mm -hmm. delivery for low appetite. um, and really emphasizing that, that protein, because we know the protein rich foods like our salmon and our grass fed beef and such also have the immune boosting nutrients such as zinc. Um, and these are going to really aid in the production of the infection fighting white blood cell response. And we know that zinc deficiency, which also tends to trend with protein deficiency can increase susceptibility
2: to infection. Yes. And I think we actually had a a question that I'll just throw at you. Um, What's your, what are your thoughts on zinc for immune support? I know we're sneak preview, we're considering adding some zinc to the naturally nourished line as, as, a single supplement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I take it as a backseat to D and C as far as a targeted nutrient. And we do provide zinc in the tracks, um, chelated form in all of our naturally nourished supplements. So whether it's the multi kids or the multi-defense or are prenatal? Um, I do think, especially with the coronavirus, that the zinc um, has a powerful influence, especially with the gustoral or like the taste receptor uh-huh. response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if that is a symptom of the individual, that would be definitely then when I would layer that in at 30 to 50 milligrams, yep. um, and maybe even 30 milligrams two to three times a day for those kind of onset of that that viral impact. Um, but, but I, I kind of take that as like a third layer and and I don't see that as much clinically in my population as a need likely because we're big proponents of eating red meat and wild caught salmon. And, um, I don't think that I see that as common as a deficiency, but what I have done as far as formulas in the naturally nourish line is layer in the thyroid optimizer and myself, I'll do that, um, because there is zinc in a pretty potent dosage there. So, you know, layering that in on top of the multi
2: is putting you in a really good status where then you wouldn't need an isolated zinc supplement. Sure. And that's got a good amount of vitamin A as well, which has some antiviral properties. I think that's a a great layer, but, and ginseng. So you're getting some good adaptogen response for sure. But stay tuned. We are considering adding on some zinc that would be more of like a pulse as needed or if someone is um, exhibiting deficiency. Yes. Okay. Um, Speaking of supplements, I'm going to throw you this curveball question here. Uh, Can you give your professional opinion on Juice Plus? This is one of the like as seen on TV supplements. Yeah. I mean, it's been around for a while. And I'm not sure if it's an MLM. I
1: think it is. It might be. I think it is. Um, so, you know, I, I did look at it, and, and when I was trying to find details on the capsules, you know, they have freeze-dried, you know, berry blend or fruit blend. It did have acerola cherry. Mm-hmm. The The problem that I have is it's a proprietary blend, so I don't really understand... The um, distribution of the noted uh, produce in their pills, so the veggie blend and whatnot. Well, are they using just the cheapest ingredient as 80%, mm-hmm. and then 20% of that capsule is coming from more of the superfoods or whatnot? Um, also, I would be interested in looking at third party assessment of toxicity right. when we're talking about contaminants um, and then just in- integrity of products. So I can't speak to any of that. Um, I, I really tend to say go for your produce and antioxidant support from foods. So aiming for four to five produce choices daily, adding in other antioxidant boosting compounds like tea. I think tea is so fabulous and um, remind me, let's circle back on tea because I pulled some cool notes on interferon response and immune response and the research we've seen on coffee drinkers versus tea drinkers and such. But tea would be a great way to get your antioxidants up and also have other direct immune response. And then like green smoothies, again, I'd prefer because you could add acerola cherry powder in there, or you could open up a capsule of our Bio C Plus in there. You could add acai berries. You could add, mm-hmm. so you can get a lot of this high ORAC or antioxidant score in a green smoothie, but then you also have the ability of this being a meal replacement. So you're not taking juice plus while you're going to get fast food for lunch, right? <laughs> you are right. eating food as medicine and getting those antioxidants from your staples of your diet. So it's this double edged sword remember, member of not just adding, it's also subtracting the inflammatory things and we need to eat food to survive. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather you make a green smoothie with, you know, ginger and turmeric root. And again, you could boost in some of these superfood players, and even get a lot of them at like Costco organic, um, you know, freeze, um, of organic three berry blend, you know, so doing a half cup of that in there and then doing the naturally nourished grass fed way, you're going to get those immunoglobulins and that's going to then be a meal replacement approach.
2: Okay. So focusing more on food and then probably saving your supplement budget to go more toward targeted area of focus or symptom management of concern versus just this additional layer. And it looked like upon looking at Juice Plus, they at least didn't have like unmethylated B vitamins and things like that. Um, So I don't think harmful necessarily, necessarily, although we don't know, again, like you said, toxicity studies, but there's probably better bang for your buck in terms of other supplements. I mean, if
1: I had to invest in, again, a power player tool, I would go all my money on the line on on cellular antioxidants with that NAC and glutathione. Uh, which are, you know, again, showing clinical evidence at said dosage, not just that these foods have shown this, but we don't know what we're exactly getting in concentrate based on the proprietary.
2: Sure. All right. I listened to and loved the imprint of stress episode. How can I bubble wrap to avoid immune impact of unreasonable stress demands? Okay. So that was episode 251. We'll definitely link that
1: as well in the show notes. And it went on a lot of the impact or imprint of stress from metabolic to mood, to immune response. Um, the first thing that I would think about if, if I'm under a high stress time is that galt, uh-huh. right? And so we've talked about, and as I've mentioned in the anti-anxiety diet, stress literally can drill holes in your gut lining. And so we've seen an influx of gastric ulcerations, leaky gut, heartburn, reflux, because of the stress influence of the pandemic and maybe even also from the demand to our galt to produce all of these immune responders. So the GI lining support would be one that I don't directly think of as like a stress mitigator, but as far as the stress impact on the immune and the physiological body, that's the first line of defense that I'd actually bring in, the GI lining support. So that has that L-glutamine in there and that also has the DGL or diglycerized licorice root as well as the aloe vera and so that's going to be that mucilaginous oopy goopy delivery of glutamine to help to really um, protect and repair our gut lining so that we can get best efficacy of that galt And then along that same vein, I would increase the probiotic by two to four times when I'm under a high stress state. And that's gonna, again, prevent an immune stress response or an impact on the immune level from the stress. So if I'm, I mean, I'm personally always taking one targeted strength probiotic, one rebuild spectrum, one women's flora as my kind of daily regimen. And so if I'm under high stress, I'm gonna take another targeted strength probiotic at rise. And then if I feel under the weather, I would add in a second rebuild spectrum. Um, But if you're taking a baseline, the Restore Baseline Probiotic with 15 billion CFUs, definitely have a targeted bottle on hand because that's that four times potency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a high stress week, that's a week you would take the targeted strength instead of the um, Restore Baseline. Got it. That makes sense. And then then if you're on the targeted, that's where you'd layer in the rebuild spectrum
2: before you would double down on the targeted. Okay. Um, So hitting kind of the gut world of things. First, And then what would you do as as kind of added layers for the physiological kind of stress piece of the puzzle? Yeah.
1: So the, and and again, the the probiotic thing is because stress sterilizes Mm -hmm, our microbiome. mm -hmm. So even before having gastric stress or GI change stress, you want to just give yourself more flora is the point there. Um, So for the neuromuscular area, I would up the relax and regulate, which has that magnesium bisglycinate and myo-inositol. The myo-inositol helps to harness um, the hormone response to stress. So things like that pregnenolone steel and the impact on our progesterone cortisol response. Um, The myo-inositol also is going to support favorable serotonin production, which is a great landing gear for a stress response and a natural antidepressant. And then that magnesium bisglycinate is that neuromuscular release for tension we hold in the jaw or the shoulders or the neck. And we know that magnesium gets depleted under stress. So that would be a big one that we would say would be good because that's going to help you to get into deep restful sleep. And we know the importance of the sleep and immune response. And so getting that release or ring out is really essential. And I would say as a lifestyle, if you know you're under higher stress, At least commit to three to four nights a week that you can shut down and get a minimum seven hours. And maybe these are times that then you're taking the sleep support formula. We talked about that just a couple weeks ago in the podcast, the connection of melatonin as a powerful antioxidant and melatonin also in the world of COVID playing a favorable response on reducing viral impact in the body.
2: I think that's such a good point. And sleep is often the first thing to go. I know for me personally, when I'm under stress and just like cramming for some sort of a, a deadline. So having that hard shutdown and taking a sleep support, you can't help but hard shut down because it'll just... shut you down, which is welcomed sometimes. (laughs) And then I I would really recommend
1: adaptogen boost for an individual under stress as a baseline and also something that you can pulse up. So this is that cordyceps, rhodiola, and ginseng combination. Um, The cordyceps has a bidirectional modulation with both potentiating and suppressive effects on the immune system. So this impacts both the innate and adaptive immune response There are studies on the cordyceps actually regulating intestinal bacteria by improving the GALT um, and also improving favorable systemic immune response. Um, We've seen that the um, use of the cordyceps was actually tested, and I'll link the research study in the show notes here. Uh, For seven days to stimulate, use use after seven days of oral administration actually played a role with the activation of the macrophages and Pyres patches um, in that Galt area. And we saw an increase of the macrophage or granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor, or the GMCSF, as well as interleukin levels in um, the individuals that had the use of the cordyceps. Um, we see that the macrophages in our galt um, actually can function as antibacterial guards and they upregulate that, that phagocytotic or that basically eating, Pac-Man style eating um, of microbes that penetrate um, the gut. And so they work as this natural defense mechanism to promote the
2: activity of macrophages to kill off foreign invaders. Okay. Awesome. And then along those same lines of adaptogens also supporting the adrenals, um, bio C plus would be another high
1: recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. So the bio C plus is going to impact the cortisol response, right. As well as the norepinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine. Um, we also see that kind of hormone overlap support we talked about in the vitamin C episode, the progesterone connection there. Um, there's so many mechanisms of immune modulation direct with vitamin C. And then there also is that, that um, adrenal connection and, and more favorable adrenal response. So the Bio-C plus and the adaptogen boost would be huge. These both together are going to reduce oxidative stress. Um, and so that's going to aid in reducing the inflammatory response of the immune um, stressor itself or, or basically that pathogen, which again, could be bacteria um, or could be viral. Um, and I just saw something else really cool I wanted to share on the adaptogens. Um, the adaptogens themselves, uh, especially the cordyceps in this research study showed not only reduction of oxidative stress, but we know that it's been used in traditional Chinese medicine, um, for respiratory health. We know that it aids in sustained energy response and it has antihyperglycemic response. So it can actually reduce fasting and overall glucose levels. And we know that elevated blood sugar levels again, interfere with the immune process.
2: Okay. Super cool. We'll link that study as well. And then I see in your notes, remove coffee. So let's talk about that and maybe a little bit on tea as a replacement. Yeah.
1: Yes. So when we're talking about coffee, um, the big concern with coffee is that that can drive that epinephrine or adrenaline response, which can exacerbate the stress feedback in the body and brain. Um, whereas T with that L theanine has a really beautiful modulating effect on our alpha brain waves, which can aid with concentration and focus without that agitation and anxiety. But what's more is that the L-theanine is broken down in the liver to ethylalamine. And um, this molecule is going to prime the response of an immune system uh, element called delta uh, gamma delta T cell. Um, And these are the the T cells in our blood that focus as a first line defense for many types of bacteria, viral, fungal, and parasitic infections. And um, these gamma delta T cells actually even have some anti-tumor activity. Uh, T cells themselves then, when in higher production, especially due to that L-theanine stimulus, Play a role in the secretion of interferon, and this is the body's chemical defense against infection. So we've seen upwards of five times increase of interferon levels with individuals that regularly consume tea, and this is about three to
2: five cups per day. Okay, and I know when sick, I personally gravitate toward tea anyway versus coffee. Coffee just like doesn't appeal to me when yeah that when scratchy Ill. throat yeah. thing yeah. and like um, more drying
1: yep. Yeah. And let's go on to that.
2: That was another question on sniffles okay. and immune. Let's talk about that. How to clear up the sniffles quickest and best daily immune support.
1: So we want to thin out that mucus and phlegm. And I think of saline. So the x is something we've been talking about now for two years. Um, a really great saline spray with a little bit of grapefruit seed extract, which has antimicrobial properties and then, um, xylitol in there. And so that's a really great way to move any buildup directly in the ear, nose, throat area. Uh, Stella is so good at self advocating for that. Um, she has one in her vanity and we keep one on our nightstand and then we have one also in our natural pharmacy, if you will, of like our medicine cabinet and, um, She'll advocate, like if it's the middle of the night and she's just gunky, she'll just Mm -hmm. be like, "Um, Mom, I'm going to need that nose spray. And now she can spray it herself at five and does really well. And so um, moving the mucus and, and thinning out the phlegm is key. So you can do that as an immediate um, but that's also something good to do preventative if in dense crowds, uh, you know, keeping your nasal passages moistened versus dry is going to reduce the viral replication and overall viral adhesion or viral load if you were exposed to a virus. Um, so that's a really great thing to consider like pre post flights, um, yeah, that or, exact
2: product actually has some studies specific to COVID that we can oh, like, cool. yeah, awesome. um, exactly that, that formulation. So.
1: I will cool. link this. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Um, so that's been a household tool for sure that I would say is the the best daily immune response. Um, and then as far as things that you consume, clear liquids, water, and bone broth would be fabulous in a couple weeks, we're doing an entire episode on bone broth fasting and I'll leave us to nerd out on bone broth there because we're going we're going over on time here a little bit so we'll leave that as a, a wayside but um, the cellular antioxidant, with the NAC and acetylcysteine is really a powerful expectorant to break up phlegm support respiratory stress because in all ages the concern is when we're dealing with the sniffles that we're going to suck the sniffles into our respiratory system and then deal with pneumonia, bacterial infection, um, or viral infection in the respiratory tract, basically hindering the function of the respiratory system. And this is further a concern if, God forbid, your child has to wear a facial covering right. and has mucus and phlegm, and they you know, aren't able to take off their facial covering to blow their nose to release that as mm-hmm. much, and they're starting to suck more of that in. And also their mask is wearing some of that bacterial uh-huh. particle, You're much more high risk for infection. Um, and so NAC is one, I would say, just to kind of go back with kids prophylactically, if they had to mask that maybe in that population and especially mm-hmm. if at all symptomatic like I said if symptomatic I'd pulse it in anyway but if your child runs gunkier that would then maybe be the concern to get that in a little bit more consistently sure
2: um, and then elderberry syrup, I think, could be a, a great and welcome addition, especially for children, but, I mean, anyone, because it tastes really good. It is, and it's a top
1: antiviral herb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can aid, it's shown in clinical research, to reduce symptoms for cold and flu, as well as nerve pain. So kind of going back to that whole fever thing, um, we want to keep the child comfortable. So we're, we're thinking of, or an adult, Um, and we'll close out with our COVID experience, (laughs) but you know, that's the big thing that we think of is, um, instead of going for an NSAID or an anti-antipyretic drug using an anti-inflammatory from a natural support. So elderberry can be one of those. And then in our adults, this is where we'd maybe layer in like our super turmeric or inflamazime as a great way to mitigate that inflammatory process. Um, but elderberry has also been shown to be favorable in even allergy and sinus issues, Uh, gargling with salt water. And if you um, are concerned about like strep throat or dealing with um, sore throat, this is also where you could add colloidal silver Mm -hmm. into your salt water gargle. Um, I mentioned the garlic mullein drops. We'll be sure to link those in the Amazon store because those can help with the gunk as well. We think of them as treatment and prevention of ear infection. um, But we can also see those helping with um, runny nose and chronic rhinitis. And then um, beyond nasal irrigation with the uh, sprays, the hot showers and using of essential oils. Mm -hmm. So eucalyptus, rosemary, tea tree, thieves oil. These could be run in diffusers or these could be dabbed on the shower wall or in a moist washcloth and inhaled. Um, All could work really well. And then if your child or adult in the household is feeling achy beyond the natural anti-inflammatory support, Um, Doing some simple lymphatic drainage support and stimulation. So like bouncing or maybe even just like rebounding a little bit on a small trampoline or using a yoga ball and having them just kind of like sit and bounce on it. Legs up the wall or up the couch, putting their legs up on a couple stacks of pillows while they watch a movie to move that lymphatic flow. Just trying to get them to walk a little bit around the house and move a little bit or stretch and such. Um, and then as you are feeling better as an adult, that's a good time to really kind of break up your lymph by like tapping or slapping um, your, your legs or your larger macro areas of your body. And this is also where massage could be really sure. sweet and nice. Um, even just like kind of, you know, rubbing on your child's forearm up to their bicep and just giving them touch is also mm-hmm. going to support that oxytocin, which is that anti-anxiety mood regulator if you will that that neuropeptide um that can also then enhance the immune response and even
2: like the gua sha in adults i think like doing that in that like you know swollen lymph node area around the neck i did that recently i'd gotten off a flight and had like a scratchy throat for two days maybe it was the delta we'll never know uh but just kind of using that to like move that stagnation of of lymph really helped to bring down the swelling and Us over it in two days. And
1: I've had clients that have had uh, sinus infections Uh be able to resolve by using the Gua Sha as well as Inflamazine and Detox Packs um, to really move and stimulate
2: that lymph. Yes. All right. Shall we talk about specific to DVOC? So it's been a a big ask of, um, I know, clients and a lot of podcast listeners to actually talk about our experiences with the DVOC. Um, yes. So let's let's just talk about kind of overview of like main symptoms and what we did in our individual households. I know it's been a while, but it'd be good to put it all in one place. Yes.
1: Oh, and we told people we were going to talk about cuts and bites and that, but I just think you have to I buy the program. To get I don't that. know if we're going to get there. Yeah, I think you just <laughs> have to buy our program. Yeah, And we talk a lot about, uh, you know, topicals and uh, wound healing and cleansing and all that jazz. So, Yes, when I uh, had the Rona, the biggest symptom that I first had was razor razor blades in my throat, or, or just a really painful throat ache. Um, you know, the last time I had strep was probably more than twenty plus years ago, so I, I, I'm not sure comparing in the severity of symptom there, but it was the worst throat mm-hmm. ache that I can remember and um to the level of like painful swallowing and such and so right when that hit as an onset i started doing colloidal silver spray in my throat um, and i was doing like five to seven sprays pretty much like five six times throughout the day Um, i right away went five times up on my base vitamin d level um and i also um Symptom-wise, the, the part that followed on this, and it's interesting because I was doing a 10-day detox when this happened. Uh-huh. And so I remember like telling- was like christmas right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? No, was I'm trying to remember. Yes. Of, yeah. of 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it was like early December, I think, mm-hmm. or late November of Because yeah, I always do that detox between Thanksgiving yeah, yeah, yeah. and Christmas. Yes. And um, I remember telling Brady like, wow, my body aches are really, I'm really feeling this lymphatic impact (laughs) this time around. Cause I did have some pretty severe body aches. And I was like, wow, this detox is working. I think in hindsight, that the fact that I was upregulating the detox packs and doing three a day, because I noticed that body pain, I kept at three a day instead of going back down to two. Uh So that plays a huge role when you're supporting that phase two sulfur-containing amino acids that support detoxification. In when your body is clearing pathogens, there's debris. Mm-hmm. And so supporting and preventing this long haul, um, the inflammatory processes of blood clot risk or the cognitive impact or depression impact, detox support is essential. So having the 10-day detox packs, the Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs, in your pharmacy are not only helpful to prevent hangovers yeah. and support a lifestyle choice of you know getting your hair colored or whatever, but um, you know getting those ramped up. And then what I've done in clinic is had a lot of people do a ten day detox once they're back yeah. above water. You know maybe you know five days out from the most severe of their symptoms and actually go into the whole ten day detox protocol. But detox packs are really essential during early onset to help your body clear the die-off. So I was doing a bunch of detox packs as well. I was not doing Inflamazime until I started noticing that itchiness. So along with the colloidal silver and the increase of D, I doubled all my probiotics. I was taking Targeted Strength twice. I was taking Rebuild Spectrum 3 a day, actually. Um, And uh, then I was upping the vitamin C, where I was taking six capsules of the bio C plus, um, the only other symptom that I had early onset, which hit me the following day, the throat was feeling a little better, but I had really severe migraines, Mm -hmm. like, like, like pounding headache Um, and I took an entire day pretty much 18 hours I think you know not a full 24 hours and just kind of laid and and I sipped bone broth so I did a one day bone broth fast didn't eat anything just sipped broth and supplemented the following day I kept two quarts of bone broth in for an entire week the following day I had two meals with the two quarts of bone broth and because I was already feeling better I brought in Four of the super turmeric on top of eight of the inflammasyme, and so that really helped to take care of that headache. And then the only lasting stubborn effect was the um, cough, and I did have a cough that would kind of come onset nocturnal and not based on body comp, not based on body positioning. So it wasn't just when I laid down. Uh-huh. It was about like 8 p.m. every night, like clockwork. I would start to kind of get this like. Where like my lungs were a little stressed and I had to like clear. Um and so I was doing a lot of essential oils through the house and um in my office and in my bedroom running the essential oils. Um I was doing rosemary and tea tree as a blend. Um, and lavender on occasion. And then I was taking the sleep support formula every night, two of those. Um, I was taking a little bit of CBD to help to support the headache and inflammation. And my cell antiox was at four to six daily. Um, and then I did bring in the herbal immune yeah, yeah. once that cough started, probably on like day two and a half or three. Um, so pretty much everything in the protocol, but my personal experience was the razor blades in my throat Day two was the, the pretty severe fatigue and migraine. And that's the onset of the cough when it kind of moved from my throat into respiratory. And the cough lasted about seven to 14 days, never at a level of high
2: severity, but just as a, a, a nuisance, if you will. Yeah. My experience was pretty similar and, and like supplement wise, pretty much the same. We compared notes because you had it first and then we got it. Like mid January, was it? yeah, it was early to mid January, Um, first couple of weeks of, of January, and I was the first one to come down with symptoms, and I kept saying it was cedar fever because the cedar pollen. Was and you had just out. been on my property, mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't know that I had been out there until I started to experience the sore throat, or um, I don't know which which came first. It didn't really make logical sense. I just kept denying it, but it was like that same super severe sore throat that like nothing could touch for the first maybe two days and like a lot of like ear pain um it's almost feeling like an earache um and then the cough came on yeah after like three four days and i think the big tell for me that i had covid was um maybe the the second night i had byron pick up some i think it was like a thai ginger chicken soup that was like really spicy and had like chunks or or um little, uh, slices of ginger in it. And I couldn't taste it at all. Like no taste sensation. I could have been just sipping water and I'm like, Hey, taste this, smell this. Like my nose wasn't blocked. So it wasn't like a typical cold where, you know, you lose some taste sensation based on just not being able to, to breathe through your nose. Um, it was totally distinct. And that was kind of my tell, but and how long did it take for your taste to go back? And did you layer in zinc? I for did that? A, a ton of zinc. Um, I had these zinc lozenges that I think were like 15 milligrams each. So I think I did 60 mm-hmm. milligrams for like a solid week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the taste was only gone for like maybe 48 hours. And that was okay. the one symptom where I was like, Oh my God, what if my taste never comes back? I love food so much. Like, yeah. I think I was more worried about that than, you know, any like oxygen saturation. I never had the sensation of not being able to breathe. Although I do think that my cough sounded like I was a little bit like gasping for air. Um, and same thing. It came on more nocturnal. Um, so at night, but I did the sleep support and then I brought in the herbal immune as well. I think you and I compared notes on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, Byron had just like sniffles basically. Like he was like, I'm fine, I'm asymptomatic. And like two <laughs> days later, had like some of his typical kind of allergy type um symptoms. And I had been supplementing him with all of the things that I was taking. Right. Um, and then Noah started to have just like runny nose and a lot of congestion. Um, so I was doing all the things we mentioned for uh infant immune support, the vitamin D balance blend upping his probiotic doing a lot of that nasal saline spending a lot of time just skin to skin more breastfeeding yeah more breastfeeding and and just laying around and sleeping a lot and he was he didn't even know that he was sick he was totally his usual yeah happy self um which was great
1: cool and so yeah i think the only big variance is i didn't layer in zinc i didn't Mm -hmm. have the need and i didn't have the taste variance and um I was going to also mention, though, Becky, when you said ginger with the soup, Mm -hmm. I was doing a good amount of those core shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I do like those in those times of kind of like viral hit. Um, And so I'll probably stock back up on those as we get into kind of cold flu viral season. Um, You know, just like the pure ginger juice. Um, And then there are some that mix like capsaicin Mm -hmm. in there. And then I was doing also ba our master tonic. Yeah, I was going to say, I did that too. Is that ACV, apple cider vinegar, ferment, of horseradish and garlic cloves and spicy peppers. So we'll link that. It's on the blog, um, but a great kind of thing to have on in your fridge to do shooters of to also just kind of break up as an expectorant, but also um, enhance that immunological response. We will include, you know, the list of our kind of coronavirus kit of supplements which includes that rebuild spectrum probiotic that's a definite call to action to have in your medicine cabinet if you will to pulse in during any immune time of of need or post antibiotics the targeted strength probiotic to go a little bit heavier especially for stressed going into the holiday season in the fall vitamin d balance blend multi defense bio c plus adaptogen boost, and that's one that I went up from two to four and never went back down mm-hmm. yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, this just feels good. Yeah. Uh, cellular antiox, that naturally nourish grass fed away, herbal immune, and then even berberine boost as a consideration, um, especially if having any uh, GI stress. Sure. So we'll link all that stuff. And then the super turmeric and inflammazyme are the ones that you would bring in for kind of maintaining comfort and in that DVOC long hauler that's where we emphasize the inflammazyme and detox packs to prevent that inflammatory post-viral response yes all right so tons on there i'm just because we included this in the the mock-up i want to note Um, the benefits of ketosis with immune response, because I think that that plays a big role in why we were so resilient. I think that that's such a frustration right now with the pushback and censorship and individuals that are saying, you know, we want to be locked down forever and oppress the children and, you know, shame on you for wanting to live your life. Um, I think that the question or the consideration that like people are naturally metabolic healthy is inaccurate. Right. right. Um it takes effort and work. Um, yeah, and food yeah. is medicine is a double edged sword. Yep. You know, so when we're talking about our response, we are individuals that proactively Invest our finances into nutritional supplements. We proactively um, eat a produce rich and protein focused diet and are in a state of nutritional ketosis. We monitor and watch our C reactive protein, our vitamin D status, and we live in a food is medicine ketogenic approach and so i think that that has a lot to do with the resilience when we continue to see that you know only four percent of individuals didn't have two or more comorbidities uh-huh. that
2: were hospitalized or had severe impact yeah i think that's a really good point i got a comment from someone who probably is now considered a former friend um she was asking if i was planning to take the vaccine and i'm like first of all none of your business second of all our whole family already had covid and she's asking me how it was um and i was like oh it was pretty much like a cold we were all fine within 48 hours like no big deal and she goes you're so lucky and i was so offended by that i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm not lucky i work my ass off to yeah Keep myself in optimal metabolic health to do all this to prophylactic and preventative and like if you can't see that now from the year and a half of research that we have showing you know the comorbidities and what we can actually prophylactically do then something is wrong with how this information is going out
1: and it goes back into the again the whole terrain theory Mm -hmm. of you know, making, your, making sure that your microbiome is optimized and that you have a robust immune response is multifaceted to any virus, not just this one. Right. And so doing this facial covering and injection thing is myopic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're looking at broad spectrum health. So there was a question that came in on, does ketosis aid in immune health? And the answer is absolutely yes. So we know, of course, just fasting alone and some of the benefits behind fasting and immune response is based on BHB production or beta-hydroxybutyrate production of keto metabolites through fasting. And um, there were researchers at Yale School of Medicine that observed exposing human immune cells to BHB in amounts that you would see in the body following two days of fasting or being in a natural ketogenic state would reduce the inflammatory immune response. We'll link this in the show notes. They noted that the uh, BHB actually blocks the NLRP3 inflammasome-mediated um, inflammatory disease pathway. And this is that same pathway that that vitamin C influences directly mm-hmm. as well. Um, they saw that there was a better promotion of recycling damaged immune cells, allowing for regeneration of healthy ones, um, and apoptosis or autophagy, that cellular cleanup and reset in individuals that were producing keto. Yes. So ketosis as medicine is truly a thing as well. And if you have not taken advantage beyond the naturally nourished food is medicine for the whole family program, which is super foundational toolkit for you guys, um, the 12 week food is medicine ketosis program still available over on allymillerrd.com as well. A great thing for you to focus on in on now that the kids are back in school feeling amazing in your body, being resilient and having the magic of ketones to boost your mood, to boost your immune
2: and metabolic health. All right, we have covered all of the things and more today. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and share it with someone who could benefit with what to stock in their natural medicine cabinet and head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to the Naturally Nourished podcast and leave us a five-star review.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans.